0: Ready? Three, two, one. Okay. Uh, hello, everybody. This is the. Uh, well, there's not really a name for this podcast yet, but it's a, it's an Indian podcast. Uh, today we'll be talking about the Kashmir conflict. My name is Sunny Sharma. Uh, I'm doing this podcast with my older cousin, the very insightful and informative Abhishek Kasid, or as I call him, Vinu, Vinny. Um, So just to frame this conflict and give it a little context, we're going to be talking about Kashmir and Article 370. Uh, Article 370 is a special status giving autonomy to the region of Jammu and Kashmir, allowing the state to have its own legislative assembly. Um, As a part of this, uh, just to make it brief, as a part of this um, legislation, there's subsection 35A, which is the citizenship provision in which people, can, uh, people from outside of Kashmir cannot buy land in the region. Um, over time, there have been several amendments that have been made to the article that have changed it, which have made, led many people to be upset with uh, the central government for changing um, uh, Article uh, 370 from its original form. Uh, and recently, um, in August 5th, 2019 of last year, uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi revo- revocated Article 370. So we'll, what I want to explore with, um, with Vinny is just what does this really mean for India um, and with the revocation and what, what does this mean in light of the ongoing Kashmir crisis which has been going on um, in the region since uh, the independence of India. So, um, Vinny, could you go ahead and explain a little bit about the Kashmir crisis, how it got started, and um, how it's been prolonged for a certain period of time?
1: Uh, okay, thank you, uh, Sunny. Uh, so if you look at the Kashmir conflict, uh, it's uh, it depends on how. Far back in the history, do you want to go and start the narrative? Um, but if you look back a few hundred years, uh, Kashmir, uh, over the years, has been ruled by uh, many kingdoms, uh, many different sects, uh, starting from the Duranis, um, and, and then there were uh, Afghanis that ruled uh, Kashmir. There was a local where Akbar ruled Kashmir and created a lot of gardens. Then there was the Sikh uh, rule. There was the British, there was the Togra rule and there was the British rule, uh, all together, um, So Kashmir has, as any other place, has gone through various hands of various um, people and various uh, sect of uh, the various religious sects have ruled uh, Kashmir. Um, but if we go back, uh, uh, let's say, 100 years or so, so Kashmir was typically, if you look at the demography of Kashmir, it was a majority Muslim state, uh, Jammu and Kashmir. But before we get to that, Kashmir is, is typically three main areas. It's divided or was divided uh, before was in, into three main uh, areas. So the Kashmir area, which makes up the, the bulk of the area, in the Kashmir area, then there is the Jammu province, which is also a big province, uh, and then the third one is the Ladakh, which is on the, uh, which is a kind of a cold desert at a very high altitude. Um, so that, these three regions uh, made up the state of uh, Jammu and Kashmir. With Kashmir being a, a Muslim majority uh, area, uh, Jammu being predominantly, uh, dominant. And and Ladakh was uh, primarily Buddhist and other sects. Um, So this together makes uh, uh, or made uh, Jammu and Kashmir. And uh, if you if you if you look at it, the Kashmir made up or the population of Kashmir made up the majority of the population of Jammu and Kashmir. And as a result, uh, if most of the governments that have you know been instituted instituted in Jammu and Kashmir have been led from Kashmir. So because in the state assembly, Kashmir has the most number of seats. So the politics of the land in Kashmir has predominantly been influenced and impacted by the uh, politics in Kashmir. Um, So so that's, if you look at it, uh, in Kashmir, you had uh, 90-95% dominated population, and then you had a very minuscule uh, Hindu or the Kashmiri Pandit population, and then some sex and, and some Buddhist uh, uh, population. So, pre independence, uh, India, if you look at it, it was so, uh, before independence of India in 1947, India was on the, sub, the subcontinent or, or parts of India that we today call India and uh, uh, Bangladesh and Pakistan were nothing but princely states. These were states mostly either governed, uh, a lot of them before independence were governed by the British. Some parts they had leased to some of the princely uh, states or or the kings in in certain of these parts. So this was a lot of, uh, more. I think this was about uh, 600 princely states or around 500 some odd princely states that India was divided into. You know, governed and ruled by different uh, you know, big and small kings, apart from the Union of India, which was typically under the British. rule. Now, after, in 1947, um, when the partition happened and um, India was divided primarily into um, uh, in India, on, on our side, on the, on the west side, and, uh, and then on the east side, and then uh, Pakistan a little on the west side, Pakistan also had Bangladesh. Which was on the so like India was between Pakistan. You know the geography of India is between um, Pakistan and Bangladesh. So then Pak it was called as East Pakistan, Bangladesh and West Pakistan. And and you and it was you couldn't go around. It wasn't a continuous uh, landmass. You had to either go through air or uh, to, uh, travel through the sea to reach uh, from one part of the Pakistan to another part of the Pakistan. Um, so that's how the partition um, happened. So at the, part, uh, at, the part, at the time of partition, uh, there were uh, three majorly three states left, or three principally principally states left, which did not go either with uh, did not go either with Indian parts, and they were still trying to figure out who should it go. So these were Kashmir, these were uh, where the population of majority. Uh, uh, muslims but they were ruled by a hindu king they were ruled by a dogra king called Harisik.
0: yeah Hy- hyderabad and, was another one
1: right Correct. Okay. hyderabad yes hyderabad was another one where um, you know the majority was muslim and the rural was also muslim and junagadh was another one where the majority were hindus but the rural was both muslim so as and as uh, time progressed and as uh, you know india tried to Gained control of these areas and so did Pakistan and uh, India got, uh, uh, you know, Hyderabad and Junagad. Now, Kashmir continued to be remain independent. And from the sources, the, the Maharaj of Kashmir wanted, didn't want to go with Pakistan, but didn't also want to go with India, wanted a kind of a, a unique and a very um, uh, independent identity for Kashmir. But as um, you know, history would have it: Pakistan sent its army regulars and and some terrorists to attack Kashmir. So, so they were these army regulars in in plain clothes and all. So they started they attacked Kashmir in at 1947, ish. and um, and as uh, luck would have it, the Maharaja then approached uh, India. Pandit uh, Jawaharlal was then our Prime Minister for help. And as they negotiated, in, so India wanted a surrender of Kashmir to uh, India in lieu of, you know, saving the, uh, them from the intruders. And after negotiations or whatever transpired, India sent its army and then, you know, they, um, there was a kind of a war and they went back. Uh, and uh, India, in Kashmir didn't ceded to India, but it was a very conditional uh, um, accession, so the Maharaja acceded in terms of that India would have control over primarily over land, communications, and finance, and rest of Kashmir would uh, be very independent, extremely independent. They would continue to have their own flag, they would have their own high court, and uh, they would have their own uh, uh, even their their uh, constitution would be. Different.
0: Wait, so you said you said from my understanding, so Kashmir would. Be in charge of everything else except communications, external affairs, and defense and finance.
1: There were three or four, I three. think. That these these primarily it was uh, defense. This was uh, this was would be, be defense. There would be communications, and uh, I think you can look look it up uh,
0: and uh, external affairs. I think. But that's so one so, so another issue that a lot of Kashmiris are having is that a, a lot of the autonomy they want they're not able to get from the central government correct
1: correct so at that point so this is now i'm going back to 47 is they had a lot of economy except these three areas where um you know india would provide for security would provide for uh, uh you know look after the um you know communications and uh, you know other things uh, finance and administration India, Kashmir would be very uh, independent, uh, would continue to be independent. And at that point of time, the um, Prime Minister even said that there would be a plebiscite. There you know, there would be a referendum after, uh, you know, certain years that uh, we would go to people and ask them, you know, what do they want? Do they want to be with India or Pakistan or independent? People? So that was the genesis of creation of Kashmir with India or accession to India. And, uh, and historically, historically, uh, people of Kashmir, and since I've lived there in 1980s, they've had a them and identity, of a religion that they, they belong with Islam, and, and Pakistan was created on base of Islam. So there is a national identity there. Um, so they, after independence, uh, so it, it, it became so the fault lines were drawn because they wanted plebiscite, they wanted referendum, but India. Uh, didn't go for a referendum. So but what? Also when, there.
0: What day was that? When the date? The date you mentioned
1: for referendum? Yes. For plebiscite.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think in 1947, and I think you can look up the exact dates uh, on, on Google. And I think when when India acceded, and this was uh, uh, you know it became a part of Indian Union. Uh, after 25 years, uh, they said that we put the UN and um, uh, and we should do a website. I think in 1948 or 40 some, something, yeah. uh, Nehru said that we will do a website. Go back to people for it. So that, in a sense, is the genesis of the problem. So it's been conflicted ever since, and uh, you know, people. So there are now factions that, over a period of time, there's also you know radicalization, fundamentalism. No, um, one faction wants to go with Pakistan, and one faction wants to.
0: Be well, there, 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 there are several disagreements over the plebiscite. Um, from one, I guess, angle from the BJP government and other oppositional parties to the to the majority Kashmiri people who want a plebiscite is that because those regions, those there is, uh, it was the plebiscite they said was contingent upon all military forces being outside of the Pakistan-occupied... It's not called Pakistan-occupied Kashmir, but the region in which Pakistan had obtained from India when their forces had ventured in. Is, do you know if so there's an, an alternative argument to that?
1: No, I think that that's, that's how the India counters the argument. So if you see in 1971, there was this war uh, between India and Pakistan. And India soundedly won that war. war. And Pakistan had to surrender, and uh, but India, uh, even though India won the war, India let Pakistan keep a, a major portion of Kashmir, a lot, a lot of portion of Kashmir in Pakistan. Whereas today India calls it as uh, uh, Park occupied Kashmir, and Pakistan calls it as Azad Kashmir, um, and that's under Pakistan control. So now, what has happened is uh, India's argument for not uh, going ahead with the. Uh, Side is that uh, the original agreement was uh, that the plebiscite would be done on the entire Kashmir, not just the part that is with India. So India says that you know Pakistan should give up the OK and then you know the original idea or of the conditions of plebiscite would be met, and, and that's our when when it comes up in or, or in the past has come up in the UN. Um,
0: so who is who is yeah. constitutionally <laughs> correct in that matter?
1: Yeah. It, it's I I look at it as uh, both Indian and, and, and Pakistan as true. So if, if you look uh, look at it, the, the the sufferers are Kashmiris. Like whether or not uh, whether or not you agree with their uh, call for freedom, or you, you you may agree or not that you know India or Pakistan is better for them. Um, the the ultimate sufferers have been the, the people of Kashmir. Uh, they've Um, you know when you go to India, the India would say, "Oh, you see it, what Pakistan's stunned and undone, they haven't kept their work, they've faced wars, which is all correct. And if you go to Pakistan, they'll say, oh, you've, you know, um, they've kept Kashmir under control with the gun, which is also true. So, un- unfortunately, in this whole conflict, the fault lines are religious. That's why it makes it, if, if religion was not the cause of fault lines, it would have been a much simpler case. Like, like when India were fighting British for their occupation, it was not based on religion. It wasn't because Indians were Hindus and we were driving Christians. It was because, you know, someone else came uh, on our, you know, um, they took our land and we were fighting back. But in Kashmir, the conflict, Kashmir conflict has, um, you know, um, reached or assumed these uh, religious contours and uh, and, and aspects. And that makes it a little uh, less exciting. I think it, it, it makes it a little more complex. Because if you from 1980s, uh, late 80s to and then early 90s and 90s onwards, there was an extreme fundamentalism in Kashmir. I mean, they they because of the finance and the arms and the supply. It's 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 gone. It's gone from a very secular kind of a Kashmir where it was uh, an open forum. even though it was major, uh, majorly uh, you know a Muslim dominated, but it, it it wasn't very fundamentalistic in its approach or in its in its behavior and in its appearance uh, but over a period of time this has you know there is has been a lot of uh, you know, fundamentalism in
0: Kashmir. but there there are differing viewpoints because many many of the Kashmiris in in Kashmir the Kashmiri Muslims would many of them say it's a political issue it's an issue you know primarily due to the geopolitical situation between India and Pakistan and Kashmir is kind of used as this sort of proxy um, yeah. in a larger scale war. So could you say it's both religious and political? And another thing is that, um, I mean, a lot of a lot of, I guess, people on the on the other side, I guess the the BJP and other other people who support the revocation of Article Three Hundred and Seventy, they saw, and even some Kashmiri Muslims, not the majority, certainly not. Would say that Article 370 was in the way of enacting wider scale um, reforms in Kashmir that happened to the rest of India. You know, such as corruption. I've, I've read somewhere that you know a lot of the corruption reforms happening in different parts of uh, local Indian governments were not able to happen in Kashmiri in the Kashmir government due to I don't. What well, to say? It's part of Article three seventy. I don't know. Would you agree with that, or would you say it could be something else?
1: Well, I think Article three seventy, um, in some shape of of or fashion, the way you look at it, it you know, it, it will uh, appear uh, discriminatory you know, in various aspects. For example, um, the one aspect of of Article three seventy is that. Uh, if, if, if you're a like uh, a Kashmir JNK domicile person and you marry outside like if you if you're a man and you marry someone who's not from JNK, yeah, I've you heard still it. get to inherit your, your rights. you mm-hmm. can still inherit your rights because you're a man you get to you inherit your property and you can buy a property. but if uh, a woman from Kashmir who's in Kashmiri domicile uh, marries someone outside the uh, JNK, she loses all her rights to her property. And, and can't buy any more property in, in, in Kashmir because of this. So, in that sense, it was patriarchal. It, it was discriminatory because they wanted to not change the demography of the place. Now, it is very important to understand the uh, although it is it has politic it is politically uh, the fault lines in Kashmir conflict are are political. There is no denying that, but there is a huge religious aspect to it. Like for example, um, every Every Muslim, or uh, you know, nine out of ten Muslims would support uh, an independent Kashmir or Kashmir going with Pakistan, and ten out of ten Hindus would, or or, or, or six, for example, or, or rather Hindus would support uh, in uh, Kashmir merging with India or being an absolute part of India. So to to take away the religious angle is is it would be fool, it would be foolish. But yes, it is it is also a geopolitical problem. There's no denying that. So over the
0: so what was what was, was, what was that movie? What was that movie about? Um, the, the Kashmiri pundit Exodus. Or, do you remember that? Shikara. Shikara,
1: Shikara, yeah. Yeah,
0: my mom wanted to watch that movie, but she never got a chance yet. Um,
1: <laughs> it's on the plane.
0: Yeah. So I one of the things I noticed, which is why I brought it up about it being religious versus political, is that many of the pundits were saying that the movie was incorrect because it, it said the issue was religious, as you were kind of mentioning it is substantially. But they were saying that the issue more so is political, at least.
1: The pundits were actually saying that it is it is religious, and they were saying that they uh, they were pissed off with the movie largely because... At oh, yeah, yeah, pundits sorry, was... I,
0: I, mixed it, I mixed it up. Religious, yeah, they were saying it's religious.
1: They were saying it's it's, it's all religious. Right. There is there is no right. political uh, uh, factor to it, which is incorrect. And they wanted uh, them to show all the heter- atrocities that happened and, and blah blah blah. But uh, but but yeah, no, it, it is it is it is very complex. I mean, Kashmir uh, understanding Kashmir is very com- uh, very complex. I think you hear something, people say one thing to you on your face, and when you go back and you check out, the, the difference So. You have to really be careful of what you believe. Uh, right, it is, it is a very complex uh, situation right now. And yeah, and it's a very—I
0: yeah. mean—it's a very interesting society, very pluralistic. Um, yeah. as you said, multiple religious groups, long history. Um, so if you want <coughs> to, if you want to, do you want to go a little bit into, um, kind of your experience growing up in Kashmir and when the exodus happened for you and. Yeah. Kind of how you saw, as you mentioned, the society in Kashmir change from being yes. um, more secular to more uh, yes. more orthodox in nature. So, yeah, just comment a little bit on that.
1: So, I grew up in 80s in Kashmir, and obviously, if you're only seen Kashmir, you know you haven't seen the rest of it, of the world. You don't really appreciate at that point of time the beauty and 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 the ethos of that place but you know, as you grow older and then you look back then you, you find out uh, what Kashmir was all about but I, of what I remember in, in Kashmir I, I remember of one of the the best times of my life also because you know childhood typically is a, a good time for everyone but I, I particularly remember in Kashmir that it was a very very extremely safe place to go so for example I went to a mission school which was started by the British um, There. uh and it was, I remember Kashmir, where people could go out in the movies, to the movies, even at like 9 o'clock to uh, in the night, to about. The movie would finish at 12 in the night, and then families with kids and, and women would walk, um, and in the middle of the night, actually walk and, and go to um, their homes, travel, which but as I later, when I, you know, went to other parts of India, I... this wasn't possible. The rest of India wasn't so safe. Even in the matter of a couple of years after we migrated, it was a very different scenario in the rest of uh, India. Uh, Or or at least the places that I went to, like which was Jammu, which was like the nearest place. Um, Another interesting um, aspect was that there was a lot of trust between communities um, or between neighbors. Um, There was... um, Isn't that uh, known as...
0: that? So I read that recently... A week ago, this this notion of Kashmiriyat. I'm, i am might be yeah. mispronouncing that—this kind no, of that's, that's
1: right, co- that's cohesion
0: right. of the Kashmiri community between Hindus and Muslims.
1: So there was so there was a lot of it now. Kashmiri pundits, if you see as a community, we made up what like two three percent of the overall, or, or maybe up to five percent of the total community, not more than five percent. Uh, that that time. But uh, we were a very well-bred community. Kashmiri Pandit was a well-bred community. They were educated, and they were mostly in the bu- bureaucracy. Right through the Kashmiri history, the bureaucracy has been handled by. They've been they've not been the rulers, but they've been part of the bureaucracy and the education sector. So, so we, Kashmiri Pandits were always mostly well-to-do in the sense they were not uh, filthy rich, or they were not like um, landowners and all. But they, they were, they. Yeah, had important government positions and in in and also over part of the education system as as such and and, and so but overall there was a lot of camaraderie between uh, Muslims and Hindus. It was a very peaceful. Uh, uh, there were you know obviously the fault lines I mean, it's really just you have a couple of things erupted over the years uh, where a Hindu married uh, a Muslim married a Hindu. Girl, uh, the, and then the, the problems the couple of there. But by and large, what I remember of that time was it was a um, a, a very secular uh, kind of a society where people didn't trust each other. and There was one interesting aspect which, from my growing up, was that every when I was in Kashmir and I was a kid uh, in eighties, I thought that every Muslim, no nowhere, uh, um, uh, no matter anywhere in the world, was a. And all Hindus are Indian. That was my impression growing up. Because, and that was because, and it was very matter of fact in Kashmir in 80s that if you go to your, if I went to my friend's house Hmm. in Kashmir, and he happened to be a Muslim, Muslim, um, you would see posters of the Pakistani team, uh, their Pakistani cricketers on their wall. So they would say, and when we would play a match against each other, they would say, "You're." what is your score? What is our score? Like when they said what is our score, they meant what is the score for the Pakistani, and when we said what is our score, we the Hindus would mean what is India, India score. So, so, so despite
0: so, that, do you think there still was this cohesion between the Hindu and Muslim? Yes. Despite that,
1: and this was this was very matter of factly for me. For me, at that point of time, uh, in my uh, uh, young impressionable mind. I always thought this is how it is for the rest of the Indian, probably rest of the world, and um, and it was very matter of factly. It wasn't that anyone was trying to hide it or anyone would shy away from saying it. It was very really open out in the open. Right now, when when you know people talk about it, they say you no, know, not not everyone is like this, you know. But it was very matter of factly. Women I they, they had definitely for the Pakistan, problems, the Muslims, and Hindus were Indians, and then even with that, everything was fine. Mostly, mostly things were quite quite fine. But it's only after when I went out of Kashmir and years later I found out no, the rest of India is not. In India. The rest of India, the Muslims are with a lot of, they think of India as their motherland. They they, they have nothing to do with Pakistan. So.
0: And how, how old are you? Been, how, how many years did you live in Kashmir before so I, before? I was you born in
1: 77. There? We left in 1990. So I was 12 30 when we when, left uh, Kashmir. Um,
0: so there's kind of this uh, this misunderstanding. I feel like from some some of the literature I read from Kashmiri Muslims that Kashmiri pundits weren't forced out of the region, but that they fled, or that they left.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you I mean, if you point a gun at someone, if you uh, a population that is less than five percent of the pop- of your population, a population that doesn't uh, is not violent. We, we were we, we are not from the warrior clan we not used to guns or we would not even go in demonstrations like that or, or be part of the activist community we, we have not been we, we're not a warrior community we've been always education has always been our backbone. so in in a place like that in a in a, in a matter of you know a year or a few months when you see suddenly from being this uh, uh, you know, homogeneous society where every, everyone is together, there is this camaraderie, there is Kashmiri. You you see these dark things, you see selective killings of Kashmiri pundits because they wanted to send a message. They were, uh, uh, you know, it, they were made very, things were made very apparent that you have to either live there or not go there. In 19th, June, I think Jan uh, 19, 1990 was a day where most people. And it was a matter of survival for their children.
0: Most people made up their yeah. mind to leave.
1: Yeah, so I think in 19, January 1990, all the mosques in Kashmir started, uh, you know, blotting this message that um, you know, this is happening. And uh, and this happened all at the same time, at I think, eight or nine. People were really, really, really scared, right? I know of, uh, I remember that night because most people had made up their mind that yeah, there an attack. So, at that that day, you know, people did fear that
0: there would be the uh, so so. It's pretty it clear. It's clear that both Kashmiri Muslims and hind and pundits have suffered due to the conflict. And I, oh, really, yes. it reminds me. It reminds me of something to where I I had talked to a a Kashmiri Muslim who had known my parents when they had moved to Georgia or even before that, Um and he mentioned that one of the issues between them recognizing india as an ally is just perspective because pakistan recognizes the plebiscite for kashmiri muslims while india does not which is which is to put it in more simplified terms like choosing choosing sides but at the same token i feel that a lot of um a lot of kashmiri muslims do not do not take the side of kashmiri pundits for when they were forced out of the region So if perspective works on one side to where India, to where certain segments of the Indian population have to recognize a plebiscite for them to ally with them, then at the same token for the pundits to ally with the Muslims, the Kashmiri Muslims need to recognize that it was violence and violence that sometimes was um, in cooperation to some extent by the Kashmiri Muslims living in, by some of the Kashmiri Muslims living in Kashmir that led the Kashmiri pundits to be forced out. So I'm just, so I'm just wondering whether, whether perspective has to be seen at both sides in order to reconcile the situation.
1: Uh, I mean, that's a stepping, that's, I think the basic stepping stone for if you really want to build any any kind of bridges, and I think building any kind of bridges with what you've seen in Kashmir is so 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 difficult right now. But yeah, I mean, if you don't see it from the other perspective, if you only see it from your own narrow, blinded perspective, you're not going go far, which we have seen. I think. India sticks to its stand, Pakistan sticks to their stand, and if you look at it in, the, in this whole turmoil for over a century now, I think it's been like. Um, the sufferers are Kashmiri people, both Hindus and Muslims, so the people who have inhabited Kashmir. I mean, they are the ones who are suffering. Like today, we, even if you look at the 370s, a lot of Kashmiri Hindus advocated for it, but they are stateless today. They don't have a state. They had a state before 370. Now today, they are, are um, you know, it's, it's, it's a union territory today. It, it no longer exists. There is, a no, there is no state today. It is not a state anymore. It's a union territory. So you, you don't have a state anymore you know, for it. So, I mean, like all good things and all conflicts, I think uh, it, it does require, uh, see, it does require political. I think it, uh, more than people, uh, and in my experience, people toe the line of what uh, strong leaders tell them. They, uh, they would do, they would invite that and follow that. But it does, because Kashmir today has become a melting pot of not just corruption, but uh, double agents, triple agents, There is money being... Uh, uh,
0: pouring so in so, so given given the problems with local politics, do you want to talk about... I don't know if you're still pursuing the Toadways project, but do you want to talk about a little bit about how that could help with local corruption and why maybe there is some bureaucratic problems it's facing?
1: Uh, that's, I think, true for the... the not just Kashmir, but the rest of India, Pakistan, I think the whole subcontinent, I think there is way too much uh, corruption at, it, at, at different levels. Like corruption like like you have to choose a parallel, like in, in Brazil or, or other countries. It is a very self-sustaining system. It uh, The corruption is, and, and the way system works, uh, or the I and the is a self-sustaining system. You don't... Uh, every clock in the wheel works for the other clock, and that's how the system runs. Uh, that's its. That's the oxygen. Um, I think you can only, make, you know, do your bit or or do some things to make it a little better. Um, the one one of the initiatives was uh, basically uh, to introduce stored which was more like a kind of a social media that you give to people that uh, doesn't talk about what they're wearing, what they're eating, what they uh, but it was a social media based. Basically, for their government's uh, tradition. it was more about you know, their uh, their roads, their 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 water, especially Sarakpani, as it famously it in India. Um, I mean, hopefully, and also to dispel this whole uh, whole giant uh, monster of fake news, which is like plaguing the world, and uh, you know, India is like a pioneer in face of uh, fake news. I think. Uh, if you do a sampling or a, of a social experiment in india if you if you ask people who are like 40s, 50s, 60s and and ask them like 10 random things uh, about uh, uh, this happened 9 of 9 out of 10 would be wrong they would believe wrong news they would have been wrong news they would believe wrong new uh, fake news and they would have made their opinion based on fake news 9 out of 10 and and, and 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 it's very interesting you when you uh, a lot of this then floats on uh, WhatsApp. Depending on who sent it, people tend to believe it. Yeah,
0: I mean, we touched upon a lot. We we went from Kashmir, we touched upon things while I was reading about Kashmir that you mentioned as fake news. A, a huge thing, which is why so many Kashmiris um, are not only leaving fields such as engineering and doctors and lawyers to become journalists in, in many respects. They're Trying to find ways to act in resistance to what they see as Indian occupation in more expressive forms and yeah, fake news is another region why I think I as I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but Kashmiris really are are very distrustful of the of um of new government new Indian media. Not just them, but in, all Indians across Across the the fake news is a, is,
1: a, is a phenomenon, I think, world over. I think the U.S. is grappling with fake news as well. Uh, but our, the amount of fake news, the problem the we face is humongous. Nine out of ten. I mean, fake news today is on mainstream. It, the fake news has become mainstream in India. So it is, it is, it is right now in everybody's inbox through WhatsApp. Uh, you don't have a source. You just have a picture. You have a meme with something and people believe that and they're like, I think it's it's one of the biggest challenges the world faces today. Uh, so as, as what happened, the social, as social media became more relevant and as people started expressing themselves more freely, uh, it did become a problem for the governments because uh, governments typically, people that, you know, governments want to take control, they don't want a lot of uh, free information available, pub people talking freely, People expressing themselves very openly, criticizing the government. No government wants that. So, but but they couldn't find technology. They couldn't find te- uh, technology. They couldn't fight the trends that were happening. To be Twitter com- coming up, Facebook coming up. People were expressing themselves, organizing protests and all of that. How do you deal with that? How do you How do you deal with that? You you create an an avalanche and a mountain of fake news, and then what do? You, and then people are confused. Like. People believe that all, 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 all fake news. So, so the, the point is the all the good news, or the news about um, all the scams, or the, the things that people are criticizing governments about, those get drowned because there is so much of image. And and Kashmir, and that's also very important uh, to understand is Kashmir also serves as an excellent smokescreen for India's internal problems. I don't, I. Not for a moment, I think Kashmir is India's biggest problem. It's not even in the top 10 problems of what India faces right now. But it's an excellent uh, smokescreen. Every time people ask, people are asking Indian government for, uh, for example, food, for uh, their response on healthcare, for education, for scams, for the social disharmony and and all of lynchings that are happening right now, we're becoming extremely right-wing. Yeah, Kashmir serves as an excellent smokescreen in the mainstream media. That yeah, and, and scapegoat. At, or, uh, scapegoat as well. Scapegoat.
0: Huh? Scapegoat as well.
1: Scapegoat. Yeah, it's a scapegoat. It's a it's a smokescreen. It's a scapegoat. Yeah. You, mm. you 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 uh air something about Kashmir and you make it about Kashmir. It's a safe thing. It's, it's like yeah, everybody is interested and um, it do, it doesn't rattle anyone. At least not the majority. It rattles only if population of the Kashmir well, I'm just, I'm just
0: gonna play devil's advocate I feel like Kashmir has been the victim but a lot of the a lot of the BJP would say we spent all this money on Kashmir and all of it is being spent on corruption or the money is not being spent in the right ways and <coughs> and
1: they were part of the government. So, so BJP was part of the government for three and a half years uh, in Kashmir which they uh, so they had a coalition government with the PDP in <laughs> So they are they are part and parcel of all of this. So they are in in it as thick as glue. So they, and there is so much of money in Kashmir. I think a lot of hotbed uh, for corruption. There uh, you know money funnels through for different channels and also nobody comes out of Kashmir uh, smelling the roses. So every. <laughs>
0: So, so on that note, I'm learning, you're learning a little less than me. You're, you, you know a lot about this. You've lived the experience being, um, having been through India as a Kashmiri pundit, having to leave your, leave Kashmir. And uh, I, I also, just for information, my mom is a Kashmiri pundit, which is one of the reasons why I'm interested in this subject. I'm definitely learning a lot from Vinny and all this information I'm reading on the internet. Um, I'm pursuing a, a sort of thesis on Kashmir, which a major part of it will be examining Article 370. So the more I learned, uh, the better. And um, all sides are suffering and that we need to find some reconciliation to this problem, uh, which is plaguing so many Indians. And, uh, yeah, any any last words, Vinny? No.
1: No. Uh... I think if uh, you know my views are a little quite quite contrary, uh, contradictory to what you would hear most of the Kashmiri pundits say there, uh, uh, but that's that's me. That's how I look at things from from both perspectives. But if you if you talk to a normal Kashmiri pundit who's come out of Kashmir, and he's really really bitter. The Kashmiri pundit right now is really bitter, and uh, and their arguments are already coloured. And, uh, you know, yeah. so it's very polarized right now, um, but I think you'll have to, if you don't look at it from different perspectives, you're not going to get a, a, a real understanding or close to real understanding of this conflict. Is. So, uh, I would just say, keep an open mind as you go along. See things from different perspectives. Uh, you, you probably will understand, start to understand. It. There's no way to understand it completely, even from the but you'll start to understand it.
0: Okay, see things from different perspectives. I'll keep that in mind as I'm advancing as a college student into my senior <laughs> year and finishing my thesis. Um, so, thank you, Vinny, for coming on the show.
1: You're welcome, Sunny. I will be catch up hopefully.
0: Yeah, um, we'll, we'll be there. Will be many shows after this, but. <laughs> uh,
1: okay. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Sunny, Thanks. and have a good day.
0: You too.